welcome to today's episode of musings with jesus my name is shola i'm your host thank you for joining me i hope you're well i hope all is good with you in your world um i hope you're, you're fine so today i'm just really musing this morning about um, the power of prayer and the need you know uh, me realizing that there's a need to just have a lifestyle of prayer so I think growing up, um, particularly as a young Christian, we always sort of tended to treat prayer like a project, if you know what I mean. Prayer was something you did, you would, you know, like, it was very formal, you'd set out time to pray, and you, it was a very, very formal approach, I think. And I think this is still the case in, you know, many faith circles. But what I'm finding now is that is not necessarily only or even should be a project or an activity or a program that you plan for and you schedule and you do it in a very formal and specific kind of way like the way prayer is in many religions of the world I believe that in Christianity what I'm beginning to realize and, and this is talking on a personal level. I'm saying in a congregation, definitely prayer has to be formal. It has to be planned. It has to be programmed because otherwise there'll be disorder. There'll be chaos. All of us have to know. We have to agree a day we're going to pray. We have to agree a place where we're going to pray. We have to agree a time we're going to pray. And we have to agree a way in which we're going to pray. So, you know, otherwise everything is just going to be really chaotic and I think some of us have attended some of those very chaotic prayers uh, where, you know, everything is just all over the place, although they do try to, you know, sort of like schedule it, I mean, frame it somehow. But I think that has made many of us think that what we do in public prayer is how we should also approach private prayer. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. First of all, I, when I look at the example of scripture, I see that when I look at the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, what I see is Jesus pouring out his heart to God, having a conversation, pleading, persuading, you know, just pouring out his heart. I don't see him, you know, he just opened up his heart about what he felt. This is, I'm leaving the world now, glorify yourself. These children that you have given to me, I have not lost any one of them, keep them. I'm not saying you should take them from the world. They're not part of the world, but keep them from the evil in the world. He was just describing, you know, his feelings. He was just pouring out his heart. You know, he was just having a heartfelt conversation with the Lord. And that John 17 prayer, has had a lot of impact on me because in that prayer he prays not only for the apostles but he prays for everyone that will hear the word hear about him and receive him through the word of the apostles whenever i read that verse that he makes that statement it warms my heart because i am one of those people who have received jesus through the word of the apostles because i believe in jesus because i believe in what is written about him in the bible that's that's the, that's how i received jesus so jesus so that that prayer that jesus prayed was a heartfelt prayer i believe very strongly i'm becoming to i'm beginning to realize in this my phase of life that these are very powerful prayers the same way 
Take note of all the prayers that all the patriarchs in the Old Testament prayed. Like, I think it was Moses prayed before he left. Um, Jacob prayed. Isaac prayed. When you read the, their last prayers, I think even David had some last prayers that he prayed that are recorded. When you read their prayers, you see that God answered every single one of them. And when these people were praying these prayers, it was at their weakest moments. This was when they knew that, you know, I mean, Jesus did John 17 prayer. Jesus was more or less telling the Lord, you know, I know there's nothing more I can do. Right now, I'm leaving this earth and I'm leaving them with a very vicious foe who is going to chase them. He's going to try and scatter them. He's going to kill them. He's going to torture them. The kind of persecution they've never seen in their lives, they're going to face it. But all I'm just asking is that you keep this one. It was was such a heartfelt prayer. The kind of prayer that a parent prays when they're on their dying bed. That was the kind of prayer Jesus prayed in John 17. Even though by that time the soldiers hadn't come for him. But he knew that he was going to die. And he knew that from death will be resurrection. From resurrection will be ascension. And he knew that his time on this earth was coming to an end. So with that, and he knew that the the sorrow will be much upon those that he was leaving behind. So he had a lot to pray for. It's the same way many of us, you know, we, we worry about those, our loved ones that will be left behind. And how, how are they going to cope? How are they really going to cope? I think that's the, ah, how are they going to cope? So I'm beginning to learn now that whenever I have those moments like Jesus where there's a burden on my heart, I don't need to set up a special time and say, oh, I'm going to seek the face of the Lord. Sometimes you may need to do that if there's something that you need to seek God's face on. But if it's, I mean, it's a situation where you don't know what's going on, you need God to help you out of that, yes scripturally you set out that time and the bible does tell us that there are many people shows us time when people in the bible set their face to pray and fast and all that but it was specifically for some issues that they just needed guidance for and that's fine but what i'm saying is that there's some situations in life that i need to pray over on a continuous basis it's not about seeking the face of god it's not a one-off thing it's not like a daniel nine situation where oh i need god's um, guidance on this and when he gives me the guidance that's it i mean it's an ongoing this is an ongoing prayer issue an ongoing issue in my life in fact my my being alive is an opportunity to change the course of history for that situation for that life so every waking moment is an opportunity to, to, to send prayers up knowing that the power of those prayers will outlive me and i think that's the the important message that i am learning and that i'm hoping that i will act on i have seen it even in my own personal family life i have seen how the prayers of a grandparent were manifested generations after that grandparents died prayers without our prayers will outlive us particularly prayers that are made for the next generation, prayers that are made for nations, for communities, they will outlive us. And that's amazing. Because what it means is that I have the power in my hand 
to influence what happens after me. My life on this earth, the breath that I have right now, is an opportunity for me to influence what's going to happen in my life after me. I mean, I happen in the world after me. I shouldn't take it lightly. So I... And, and to be honest, there are things in my life that I, I really need to pray about. I need to pray, in fact, lift up to the Lord every day. My heart continues to pray, but I think I also need to consciously pray about it. There are things that, I won't call it a burden, but it's a, hmm, you know, things that you know that, things that I, I know even on my dying, with my last breath, I will, it will, it will be before me as a concern. God, take care of this. Take care of this. Take care of this. Take care of this situation. Take care of this life. And I think I just have to pray everything that I've ever wanted and, and not feel that, not set any limits for God and just believe that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. I need to give Him that opportunity to excel and exceed my expectations i need to give him that opportunity and it's, it's only through prayer so this morning i was just thinking you know and i i just remembered or the holy spirit just brought to me that passage where paul was talking to um the church in Thess- thessalonica i think that's the name of the place anyway thessalonians first thessalonians 5 when he says pray without season in fact from verse 16 to 28 he describes a series of things that I would say are very is very good advice to follow. He says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He says, Do not quench the spirit. We mused about that two days ago. He says, Do not despise prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Faithful is he that called you, who also will perform it. I love these apostles. They, they know how to use words and language. Oh, he says, Pray without season. Don't stop. In fact, I think the, the greatest argument or case for prayer is the, is, is the seriousness with which Jesus took it. I always wonder, he separated himself to pray. I mean, you would think that Jesus had 24-7 access and connection to God. Why would he need to separate himself? He was God in himself. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God and without him was not anything made that was made. That's in the book of John chapter 1. And he says in verse 12, I think it was that the word was made flesh and he dwelt amongst us and we beheld him. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that word that was made flesh, that was in the beginning, that made all things and was in fact God, why would that word need to pray? Why would he need to separate himself into a quiet and solitary place and pray? Why would he need to pray so earnestly in John 17? For the disciples and all them that believe on him through their word. Jesus spent, even taught the disciples how to pray. But he himself 
spent a lot of time praying before the soldiers came after the John 17 prayer before the soldiers came for him he went into the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed he told the disciples to stay in a place he went further ahead found a quiet spot and prayed earnestly he prayed Jesus prayed he prayed he prayed I think you know, even though I say I've read, I've read the New Testament a lot, I think I I need to go back in and study Jesus's prayer habits and just his practice, the way he did things. I think we do not study Jesus's ministry on earth enough. I think we spend a whole lot of time studying, you know, the words of the apostles, which is good. But the person studying Jesus as a human being on earth, a divine being on earth, as the way, the truth, and the life, as the incarnated Son of God, I don't think we spend enough time, at least I personally, I don't think I, I spend enough time studying the, his practice and his lifestyle and the things that he did. I've studied some of his teachings. I think I've studied his teachings quite a bit. But his practices, no, not as much. For instance, what he's, how he spoke to people, how he dealt with people, his interactions with people, his, you know, the social co- context in which he lived, and things like his prayer habits, for instance. specifically like for instance when he was praying like his healings you know how he healed people his use of language his use of words the places where he said it is written i think i've spent more time studying his teachings than his practices but i'm beginning to think that is i i need to just go and have a look at those practices again because everything that was written in the scripture was written for a purpose there's a purpose to teach there's a purpose to illuminate there's a purpose to correct and to shape and frame and there's a lot to learn I, I want to learn more about his prayer habits but even I mean we just read the apostles we read um, Paul but even from what they say and you know and from what I've experienced in my life as well I just see that just makes sense to just have a lifestyle of prayer and when it's when paul says pray without season obviously you cannot that means that that's prayer on your bed that's prayer in your bathroom prayer on the streets that's prayer in your car prayer on the train prayer in the plane what he's saying to you is that at every conscious moment that anything comes to your mind that is a point of prayer any situation in your life, in your community, in your nation, something that is a burden for you, a situation that you feel you wish you could change or you wish that God would intervene in, just pray. Just send the prayer out. Lord, have mercy. Lord, strengthen. Glorify yourself. Intervene in this situation. Don't let the devil have his way. Lift me up. Uphold me. Uphold your children. Bless your children. Show them your way. Let the spirit of this age not get them. Father, make them the salt of the earth. Make them the light of the world. Strengthen their hearts. Let your love shine in their hearts. 
preserve them spirit, soul, and body. Make them vessels of honor in your life. In 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 their in in in, in make make them vessels of honor in their generation. Let their lives glorify your name. Let them find you. Let them seek you. Let them knock on your doors. Give them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that they'll be filled. Bless them, O oh Lord. Keep them. Multiply your grace and mercy upon their lives. Let their names be written in the book of life. Let them live. Let the words of their mouth and the meditation of their hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. Let them love to please you. Give them a heart that is given for you. Let their souls pant after you. Remove every evil from their lives, O oh Lord. Let them love righteousness and hate evil. Let them hate sin. Make them the salt of the earth. Make them the light of the world. Jesus, reveal yourself to them. Holy Spirit, come and pour of your grace with your mercy. Let the power of the highest rest upon their souls, upon their lives. Make them a danger to the kingdom of darkness. And make them an asset, vessels, gems, a royal diadem in the hand of the Lord. May they be a holy priesthood, of a, a royal, a, a holy priesthood, a, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Call to show forth the praises of Him that has delivered us from the power of darkness. Make them, O Lord, children of the kingdom. Make them the blessed ones of the Most High God. Make them so, children that will yearn after you. People that will perfect your praise in their hearts and in their lives. Strengthen them, O oh Lord. Keep them from the evil that is in this world. Make their paths clear before you. Let them walk in the light of the world. Show yourself strong on their behalf. Lift them up. Let their lips and praise and their hearts praise you. Let their souls worship you. Receive them into your kingdom, O oh Lord. May they never depart. May they always love you. Much more than any other thing in this world and on this earth. Satisfy them, O oh Lord, with good things, O oh God. Satisfy them with long life. Show them your salvation. Strengthen them. Lift them up. Glorify your name, eternal Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted. <laughs>